You're listening to Lessons from the Boardroom, a business podcast with Kevin Minton, CEO of Chief Executive Boards. Hey, everyone. I'm Kevin Minton, and welcome to our podcast today. Hey, I'm really excited about our podcast today because we're going to be diving into the story of a gentleman who runs a very successful marketing firm. In, in today's business world, who really doesn't need to know about this subject? Our guest today is Chris Eifert, who is a principal at Tricom B2B, a business-to-business marketing agency based in Dayton, Ohio, which is focused on supporting technical industries. Prior to purchasing this agency, Chris held engineering, sales, marketing, and management roles at multiple industrial and technology businesses. He also holds a Bachelor of Science degree in mechanical engineering from the University of Dayton. So please join me in welcoming our guest today, Chris Eifert. Chris, welcome to our podcast. Thanks, Kevin. It's great to be here. Appreciate you having me. My pleasure. Hey, uh, Chris, before we get started talking about your journey with Tricom B2B, I'd like to ask you to maybe share a little background about yourself and so our audience can get to know you. Sure, happy to. So I guess first and foremost, I am a a husband and father. Um, My wife, Sheila, and I reside in Dayton, Ohio, which is actually where I was born and raised. Uh, We've been married 27 years, and in that process, we've had three great children. We have twins who are boy and girl twins who are 22 years old and another daughter who is 18 years old. Uh, As a matter of fact, we just in the last week and a half became empty nesters, sending our youngest off to college. So we're going through a great fun life adjustment right now. Um, So, but as I meant, that's gotta be, yeah, I'm sure that's gotta be an adjustment. That's, that's something (laughs) that we all uh, are are facing right now, but uh, wow, Chris, I'm, I'm, I just, Sending that last one, especially your youngest daughter, off to school too. Uh, I, I, I can't imagine. Yeah, it's one. Of, it's one of those things where you know you look at it equally happy and equally sad. I think you know. I my wife, you know, she put twenty two years or more into you know kind of raising our kids and 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 putting in a lot of the effort um, and staying home with them. So obviously, she's facing looking at it a lot differently than I am. But there's. Yeah, I'm, I, I've liked watching my kids get older and I, I enjoy it. I enjoy them every, uh, you know, every year a little bit more, actually. So but it is definitely a a change of scenery and something that we're, we're going to have some fun with and to kind of rediscover some things, um, start doing some traveling again. And um, we'll see. We'll see where it takes us. But um, it's it's an interesting time for sure. Well, fantastic, uh, Chris. Thanks for uh, for sharing that with us. Yeah. So let's uh, let's sort of dive into what you're doing with your business right now. Tell us about that. Yeah. So um, my journey, even to getting to this point, was interesting. I, you know, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm a mechanical engineer undergraduate degree, and I practiced that for a very short time at the very beginning of my career, about 30 years ago. And I always gravitated toward customer-facing roles. Uh, I did lots of product management, product development work, uh, in manufacturing and technology businesses, but Always in the back of my mind, and this is because my dad was a, a business entrepreneur and very successful at it. Um, you know, I always wanted to do my own thing, and I absolutely had no definition as to around what that might be. Um, but it was just in the back of my head that you know I wanted to, wanted to do my own thing eventually. Um, 
as fate would have it, I had befriended the owner of a small advertising agency uh, many years ago. And um, I'd actually used the agency in a couple of different roles for some of the product development work and product management work that I did. So through a very long series of events and getting to know uh, this person, um, I joined these, I joined the agency. It was called Tricom Marketing and Communications at the time with the intent of partnering with another person in the business to take it over at some point. And so uh, about 17 years ago, I jumped from the client side and manufacturing and technology to the agency side. Um, and about three years after that, was able to purchase the business with my business partner, John Bushimi. And so here I am, 14 years later, the owner of a business-to-business marketing agency, which is something that if you asked me 30 years ago I'd be doing, I would have said absolutely not. But that's kind of what life gives us, right? Yeah, it's amazing that you know you, you started out as a technical person with, you know, sort of in the engineering and uh, in industrial space, and then you gravitate over into the marketing role. What, what led you over into that? You know, I think from the very beginning, you know, true confessions here, Kevin, you know, I, I had an engineering degree, but I don't know that the engineering field, you know, the actual practice of it ever really grabbed me and said, hey, I want to be sit, I want to be sitting at a desk or I want to be doing research or I want to be doing the really difficult parts of engineering, right, which is sitting down and calculating and and doing uh, reviewing drawings and reviewing specifications in developing those types of things that really never grab, grabbed me. And so almost from the moment I entered the workforce, I was looking for ways to get closer to customers, to kind of get closer to the commercial action in a business. And so it wasn't a year before I was seeking a, a sales position at my first job. Uh, and I was successful in doing that and was able to move to Chicago and and get right into some really exciting stuff with some large engineering firms and some big industrial manufacturers uh, in a sales capacity. So, um, and really from there, it just kind of took off to more customer and market facing roles uh, that I, uh, I guess, kind of progressed through my uh, career with. So through ownership, that's, that's definitely a different story than working in the business, right? So now that you're an owner, tell us a little bit about maybe some of the biggest challenges that you have faced as a CEO, or what is the biggest challenge you think yeah. you've faced as a CEO? Boy, Kevin, it's, I, like everybody you've probably talked to on this podcast, there's probably a pretty long list, right? Um, you know, we purchased the business in 2006, my business partner and me. And so it wasn't too long after that, while we're still facing a lot of debt from our uh, buyout agreement, you know, we had the recession of 2008 and 2009. So there's a lot of headwind there. You know, you could easily answer right now, you know, in terms of, you know, operating a business in a pandemic with a lot of economic headwind right now. Um, easily, you know, that's also been pretty daunting, but, you know, I think those are the types of ups and cyclical ups and downs that you kind of sign up for when you do this and you expect them. I think probably the biggest challenge we faced was a little bit unexpected. Uh, as you know, from our previous conversations, you know, we're really proud of our, our culture, the way that we operate the business, the, the freedom uh, we give people to express themselves. And we've always had a kind of that, you know, quote, best places to work mentality. And we have, you know, the awards to prove that. But it wasn't, I was probably seven or eight years ago, Kevin, we had a, a situation where, you know, I think we took our culture for granted. Uh, you know, we had that flywheel going and we're like, oh, well, it's always going to be good. And 
something happened. There was an inflection point in our business where, you know, we had been growing fairly quickly, adding people. The dynamics changed a little bit. And suddenly we found ourselves with a situation where there was a lot of conflict already in, you know, building in, in, in the business. There's a lot of tension that was pretty palpable. And when you're used to going into work every day and having fun, literally going in and having a great time and you get that change, uh, that kind of changed the dynamic for us. And we really weren't sure what was happening. Um, but this was a challenge that, you know, I, I think we, we never really expected. And I think it was probably one of the most difficult ones we ever had to face. So, Chris, you know, that's, that's not uncommon uh, to have a cultural challenge. And, and the culture is the one piece that we we tend to miss sometimes because it's one of those soft points in yeah. running a company. You know, it just seems to be one of those things we take for granted sometimes. But there's an old saying out there that culture eats strategy for lunch. Yes, it does. And uh, <laughs> we, we all, at some point in time, either face that challenge or the challenge does arise. And it can be a curveball from left field sometimes. And so... In your experience throughout the years, when you when you came up on that, how did you overcome it? What 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 steps did you take, or how did how did you see your way through that? Yeah, so you know, like I mentioned, we kind of had a, a feel that something was wrong, and then we got to a point where you know a couple of key people started to talk about leaving, right? And we're like, oh my, this is really getting serious, and we actually took the really unusual step, or maybe it's not that unusual, but it certainly was for us. We had about 25 employees at the time. And we took the unusual step of sitting down with every employee for about 45 to 60 minutes. And we talked, and John and I talked to them one at a time in our office and, and just asked them, you know, what's going on? You know, what do you think's happening in the business right now? What are you sensing right now? Um, <clears throat> that Took, first of all, it took a little bit of time, right, to go through that. And I think it kind of opened everyone's eyes individually that there is something going on. But of course, for John and me, it was super eye opening and it started to give us the opportunity to kind of triangulate and take action on what was happening. And, and you know, unfortunately, at the end of the day, and this is probably no surprise to your listeners, this, this involves some organizational changes and people had to be removed from the company. But it was, you know, you know, it was just really diving in and asking the questions what's going on in the business, you know? After we did that, we realized that, you know, it's time for us to get our hands back on the wheel as it relates to, to culture management, you know, and we, we stood up and after that process was over and talked to the whole company very openly about what, what we want out of the business, how we felt we were responsible for letting it get away. And we, you know, we were very apologetic about that. It was an uncomfortable place for a period of time. And one of our core values is kind of this embracing individuality and encouraging authenticity. And, you know, and I think it's important as leaders at that moment, you know, we really had to step up and show our true feelings about where we thought things were and how we wanted to get them right again. And people felt good about that. And we, we were able to reset the business pretty quickly, but we have kept kept it dialed up pretty high in terms of, you know, keeping our hands on the culture and really understanding what's happening. And that's, so, you know, now we talk to people much more frequently. We've set up our a quarterly review process, which keeps us in constant contact with everybody. There should be no surprises now with anybody. And, you know, when we've really even made it just a best practice at the end of the meeting, I tell our managers, hey, just ask somebody how they're doing. You know, if they're being treated okay, when you have them for an extra 30 seconds, just just ask those extra questions. 
And I, and I think we're going to be in a much better place. And really, since the, that moment where we really figured it out and made that corrective action, we've had a, a really a, just has been a, a wonderful place to be since then. And we're, we're really happy about that. That's fantastic. And I'm sure that took a, a lot of I'm, I'm trying to think of the correct word to use here, because you, you had to essentially recognize that there was a problem, that there was a change that needed to occur. And so it took some vulnerability, I think, on on the part of you and John to say, hey, wait a minute, we're going to have to figure this out. We're going to have to admit that something's not going right here. So we're going to have to take a step back and let's learn what, you know, what's not working here, what's not going right. So I'm I'm sure that had to feel a little uncomfortable for you at, at first. Yeah. For sure. And, and Kevin, you know me well enough to know I can get emotional about things, right? In 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 a <laughs> so so, you know, when you mentioned vulnerability, I mean these were some pretty there were some pretty difficult conversations where you felt like you really let yourself down and let other people down and you had to come to grips with that, um, for sure. So yeah, you a, have you have to be open to that, right? You have to be open to that emotionally. And that's that's a tough thing to admit uh to people, you know, especially when you're the leader of the company. But boy, does it ever you know, you talked about authenticity. That piece of the pie is what, being one of your your core values. That what a true demonstration of authenticity yeah. in, in leadership when you guys did that. So, wh- when you now that you've gone through that process, okay, what what did you take away from that? What what are some of the learnings that you took away from that experience? Well, I think uh, you know the one I mentioned before is this constant contact, right? We, I, I think. You know, I'm speaking for John here a little bit, but I think we did just start taking things for granted and just, you know, well, it's always been a great place to work. So it's always going to be a great place to work. Right. So if you come here, you're just going to figure it out and and know what that means. So we do understand now that that's not the case. And, you know, you do have to set expectations and communicate what it takes to be happy at work here. Right. And, and how we want to go about doing that. And I'll, I'll also say, you know, we've always hired carefully. I thought, right, as it relates to, you know, getting into the business from a skill set, set standpoint and a cultural standpoint, I just think we took it to the next level. Now we've really looked carefully at cultural fit, probably more so than ever over the last, you know, five to seven years. And that's also tricky, Kevin, because a, a good friend of mine introduced me. This is actually a mentor of mine who I used to report to many years ago said, you know, you taught me that constructive tension is a good thing in a business. Now the key word there, of course, is constructive. Um, and you, you know me and you know me well enough to know that, and we're, I'm in a, we're in a creative business and I don't necessarily bring the creative juice to this business. Right. And you need people with different points of view, eclectic personalities, eccentricities, you know, to the way they go about things to really make a business like ours work. So, you know, we have a, we have a, Don and I have a phrase when we're hiring, you know, less of us, more of something else, right? We need, we need to have that um, in our business. So when we say hire for fit culturally, you have to be careful that that doesn't start to just mean that, it. oh, I just want more people that look like us and act like us and behave like us so that we all get along really well. So there's a balancing act in hiring for culture that we've really worked hard at to understand the difference between good cultural fit and but a varied skill set that's going to bring something to us that, that does add a little tension to the business, but in a good way. You know, Chris, I have to applaud you for recognizing uh, the old saying of don't surround yourself with yourself. 
Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's, it's not easy sometimes because we like, you know, we, we, we tend to like to hire people who are like us sometimes as opposed to being different from us. But boy, do you ever expand the brain trust in your organization when you have that diversity uh, that you've mentioned that you built in your company? And, uh, and the learnings that you took away from that, uh, to recognize that, uh, somewhat early. So uh, I'm sure that's had to really help you, uh, you know, during tough times or whenever you guys have faced curveballs or things like that, that have come out of left field, you've had the, you know, you've had the talent pool or you've had the diversity, uh, in your organization to be able to help you come up with the ideas and things that you guys need. So. Uh, congratulations on figuring figuring out that puzzle and 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 you know taking that pathway. Well, it it is it is certainly not just John and me. I mean, we 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 have a ton of talent in the business, and you know the leaders get a lot of credit for a lot for a lot of this. But you know we have a lot of people giving us advice that speak up and, and help us with that, and in, including an outside advisory board that gives us a lot of ideas and thinking. So, um, yeah, but you know, if you're willing to listen to people and, and take their advice, you can make some pretty serious changes. Well, Chris, we, we've talked a little bit about, uh, the, the challenge or challenges that you, you kind of faced, uh, up to this point, let's just turn the tables and pivot a little bit and talk a, a little about maybe what's been the biggest success that you have seen since you have owned your company. Well, at, at the risk of giving the kind of expected answer, I'm going to give you the expected answer here. You know, you know, we're a, we're a 40 person firm now and we've grown substantially and it's been a real journey. Now we're the number one agency in our region in terms of employee count and in terms of billings. So, you know, that was a long journey. And I guess it's, it's, it's all of those years of operating in that 15 and 18 and 20 person area, you know, in terms of number of employees and bumping up against $4 million and a little bit closer to 5 million back down to, you know, 4 million and just working to break through to kind of that next level was a, was a really difficult process. And I know I've talked to a lot of business owners and executives at small professional services companies. And that can be a real challenge. And I don't, I don't know the theory behind it, but I know getting through that kind of 25 person, $5 million number is really difficult for small businesses. And we had a ton of ups and downs trying to get there, but I will say we, you know, at the risk of sounding like a professional sports franchise, you know, we, you know, you have to trust the process. You know, our, our process was pretty simple. If we had money, to invest, we would invest in talent and not just talent, you know, that can do the job, but big talent, even to the point where we started to get to the uncomfortable level in terms of what we might have to pay somebody. You know, we, we had to kind of play the long game and say, we're going to start bringing in some big hitters with some big, big names from big firms who have done the work that we want to be able to do, you know, at the level we want to be at. And that took a lot of discipline. You know, you meet small business owners that kind of treat their business as a cash station. And we were kind of on the exact opposite of that. Everything was a deposit back in. You know, we kept a strong balance sheet. And, you know, even our advisory board, Kevin, for a period of time was getting uncomfortable with, you know, your payroll keeps going up. You know, you know, I think we probably went up by something like from 30% to 40% of our business at one, you know, of our revenues at one point or something along those lines. And without really getting the the return on investment, and that went on for quite a while. 
um, in our business. But we we trusted that we would get there and that this investment in talent would work. And, you know, it wasn't overnight, but in the last few years, we broke through, you know, that 5 million broke through that 6 million. Now we broke through 8 million. And I can always point it back to investing in big talent, right? People who really get it, who know how to make decisions, know how to treat customers, know how to do big work. So I, in terms of, I think, what our greatest success is, it just was sticking with that and, and not giving up or just you know, finding some other way to be comfortable in the business. You know, it's, it's amazing that you guys were disciplined enough to maintain that philosophy and realize that, hey, in order for this to grow, you have to invest in it. And not only did you invest in it, you invested in the best talent that you could find. And it may have taken some time for it to pay off, but it sounds like it really has, Chris. Yeah, it has. There's uh, a, a, a colleague of ours who we who used to do some workshops that we attended. This guy's name was Dave Sullivan. He said, you know, God forbid every business have, you know, people who are too talented in it and overqualified in it, right? He goes, that's the, if that's, if that's the worst problem you have, you don't have any problems, right? And, you know, so we, we, we always embrace that, but we couldn't, you know, you couldn't at the beginning, right? We had, we were, we, we had a fairly large debt load to the, um, the sellers of the business who we bought from at, at the beginning. Um, so, you know, cash and cash flow were really important for, for many years as we made payroll, paid debt, uh, tried to pay ourselves. And so it, it did take a lot of patience to kind of work through that first step of just getting comfortable in the business to where you had, okay, we've got regular profits, we have good solid cash flow, we're building a balance sheet. So now we can start doing the things that we know we need to be doing. But that took several years um, and a lot and a lot of patience and, and discipline, as you say. So, uh, and also there is definitely a certain just level of belief that you have to have. And again, I will go back to this probably three more or four more times while we're talking, you know, that belief comes from making sure you've got other voices in your business, you know, in the form of, of an advisory board or, you know, and also in the case of my, my belonging to and service within a CEBI, Kevin, I mean, all of that kind of gives you that, you know, the, that outside perspective to say, yeah, we're still doing the right thing. Oh, that's fantastic, uh, Chris. You know, uh, that took a lot of insight in, in order to, to see that and do that. You know, a lot of businesses, they're, they're derived from somebody either having a good idea or a relationship, uh, but they don't necessarily know how to run a business. But the principles of what you just talked about are so key in knowing how to run a business. And if you don't know the answers, you, you got to go out and find people to surround yourself with who, who do know how to run the business aspects of a business. And, you know, you, you, you had the discipline to, you know, generate cash flow, understand that you needed to generate cash flow. You know, you needed to continue to invest in the business. You needed to hire top talent uh, while at the same time trying to build your balance sheet. Because like you said, you never know when those curveballs are going to come out of left field, uh, such as this pandemic we've been dealing with. I mean, right. that was a curveball that nobody anticipated. And, you know, those without the balance sheet to to get through something like that uh, and, and continue to invest along the way, 
you know, things are certainly going to look different when we come out of this uh, on the other side. And so, Chris, I, I applaud you for the processes that you've set up and, and the discipline that you've had along the way. And, and so now I'm going to just sort of, again, just sort of turn the tables here and just ask you, you know, wh what is it that you believe that makes some people or some businesses uh, successful while others out there, you know, may struggle because not everybody's going to make it through this. Yeah. Well, we've kind of been touching on what I think, I guess, makes makes business owners successful versus that which sometimes limits their abilities um, to be successful. And, you know, this is a very, very humbling business. I'm sorry, a very, very hum humbling, you know, discipline being a, being a business owner. And it kind of puts you through the ringer on a good week. And I think just knowing your limitations and accepting your limitations. And, and frankly, you know, in some cases, you're just going to be ignorant of what to do. And knowing that is the first step towards success. I mean, this is, this is really easy on a podcast to make yourself sound like you have processes and discipline and you're really good. I mean, Kevin, I can tell you the day, the day John and I signed the agreement to buy the business and closed on it, we were sitting in a bar on the way home, no surprise, downtown, uh, not too far from our current office and over a couple of uh, martinis, we looked at each other and, and, and we said, you have any idea what to do now? And it was it was kind of a joke, but it kind of wasn't because there there was a lot we didn't know. And so the first thing I think that successful business owners have to be able to do is accept what you don't know. And the ones that I see that often struggle quite a bit for for some reason, they either want to go it alone uh, or they think they have all the answers or they think they have to have all the answers, maybe even better. Or, or maybe they just don't want any other outside opinions. And I've met quite a few people like that. They just want to do it their way because it's, quote, their business. And I think that's really limiting because there's so much talent out there. Um, and we've been pretty much the opposite. Um, you know, you we, we were winging it for a little while when we first took over the business, like, like I mentioned. But it didn't take us but a year, year and a half to have a three-person advisory board set up. Uh, and through all of its permutations and all the different members we've had over the last uh, 13 years of having a board, it's just been amazing. We listen to them. Uh, we, we take action uh, that, that they give us advice on. We hold ourselves accountable to them. And, and on, the, on the flip side of that, John and I both serve on other boards. And that's a real important part of the formula. You know, helping other companies and organizations is such a good learning tool. And I would include, you know, service at CEBI, Kevin, you know, as, as a huge part of that discipline. It's essential to hear what others think and and reflect on how that might affect your business in different situations while you're trying to counsel them and help them with their issues. So outside perspective, you know, don't be afraid to admit you don't know something, uh, something I'm pretty good at. Um, you can ask anybody here at the business, you know, if I don't know the answer, I'm not, I'm not going to go make one up. We're, we're going to find, we're going to get somebody who's smart to figure it out. Well, Chris, again, I, I sort of applaud you on, you know, the fact that you, you are a very humble person and uh, you have certainly understood that, you know, we all have to have friends in business. We, you can't go it alone. Uh, and at some point in time, we're, we're all going to need friends uh, to help us along the way. So I, I just, uh, I think you figured out the magic formula there, it sounds like, and it, it's just going to continue to propel you going forward. And so with that being said, what, what is it that makes you optimistic about the future of your business? 
Well, I mean, you, for, for our business, I think specifically, it's just, um, like I said, if you've got just such a, an unbelievable baseline of talent in your business, I, I don't feel we're limited in any way. So what I mean by that is whether it's something that a customer brings to us that maybe we haven't quite seen before or done it before, the level of talent that operates in this business is so capable of figuring something out um, that I, that I've, I've really lost that worry over the last you know five to eight years. The the other part of that is if we want to try something new or or maybe invest in you know a, a new concept or a new idea or maybe it's new talent. Um, our team knows where to look, right? Our team knows um, how to do the research, find the people, find the partners to to help us get something done or maybe uh, expand what we're doing as a business. So again, it all comes back to talent. So I'm very optimistic because of that. And, and, and I think also just you know, the, the level of client that we work with, you know, we, we have, it's been, a, it's been a, a long journey, but, you know, we now have kind of a who's who of business to business brands as part of our client portfolio, whether that's large publicly traded companies or, you know, some smaller emerging players in some cool spaces, it's a great list of customers. And when you have that to, to fall back on in terms of, you know, we've got so many clients where we're doing quality work and we can show examples of that um, to other customers or other, or other prospects that we're working with. That's always, you know, gives, gives me optimism and, and makes me comfortable that we're going to be okay, regardless of what comes up. Um, you know, I would be remiss if, you know, I didn't mention, I, I think there's a, a softer part to the business or maybe a more intangible part of our business as it relates to, you know, and, and you see this in a lot of businesses now, which is why I'm really optimistic about the, the future of business as a whole. Um, is kind of you know being a little bit more um, purposeful in terms of your your business soul or your business conscience. You know, as as you know, Kevin, you know, and if you watch the news for the last six months, nine months, um, a lot's going on right now. And there's you know, I'm and I think small businesses and large businesses alike are really starting to be more willing to be an active participant in some of the issues that are affecting our society right now. And that to me is one of the reasons that I'm, I'm really optimistic and our business is going to be part of that. That's fantastic. Uh, Chris, well, Chris, you've got a, a wonderful company there and just talented people and you, you've grown it to a very nice size business along the way and throughout the years and really a lot to be a proud be proud of uh, with with your people, your culture, your processes, the things that you and your partner John have uh, implemented to to get to where you are today. I know that's been a a journey for you guys, and we just wish you guys all the best. And we're about out of time, and I want to wrap this up here. And I want to just ask you, uh, where can people connect with you to learn more about uh, Tricom B two B or to connect with you directly? Well, thank. First of all, Kevin, I just wanted to thank you for the opportunity. This this is this has been fun for me, and uh, so thanks for having me. Um, I can be reached a couple of different ways. Our website is tricomb2b.com. That's T R I C O M B, the numeral two B dot com, or you can find me directly on LinkedIn. It's forward slash Chris Eifert, C H R I S E I F E R T. So, um, yeah, I'd love to hear from anybody out there uh, who's got a question about us. 
Very good, Chris. And listen, I want to encourage everyone, look up Tricom B2B. They're a fantastic outfit. Chris is just a true gentleman and just uh, a, a great leader. Uh, somebody that, uh, if, especially if you're in that Dayton area, I would encourage you to connect with him. He is a wonderful uh, individual to, uh, to get to know. So Chris, thank you so much for being here today. And I look forward to reconnecting with you soon. Thanks, Kevin. Take care. The Lessons from the Boardroom podcast is sponsored by Chief Executive Boards. It's lonely at the top, but that doesn't mean you need to go it alone. We've got your back. At Chief Executive Boards, you have access to business best practices, insights, and resources that can help you eliminate the stress, anxiety, and pitfalls of running a business. Whenever you're ready, here's how we can help. Number one, get a copy of Kevin's book, In Search of Balance, The Business Owner's Guide to Building a Business and a Life at chiefexecutiveboards.com slash book. Number two, attend a Chief Executive Boards event in your area to find out if CEBI can help you. For a list of upcoming events in your area, go to chiefexecutiveboards.com slash events or call 864-527-5917.